Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. All right, everybody, welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Gene, and I've got a special guest today. Uh, before we get into that, please check out our sponsors. We have Tactic Calories and Strike Force Energy. If you buy anything from either one, you can use the code Warrior Mindset for a nice percentage and give uh, yours truly a little kickback. That's how we pay for the server that the website lives on. Uh, all right, today we have uh, Ruben Johnson from. Uh, it's Fly Media Productions. That's the name of the company, right? Yep, yep. Awesome. Uh, and I met Ruben two or three years ago in Charleston at one of our earlier uh, hosts on the show with me, Carl, one of his productions, the the Bureau. And um, I really dug what you had to say, man, and I thought we had some conversations. And we had a great <laughs> conversation earlier this year in New Orleans at another conference, and I really wanted to get you on and just pick your brain about some things and talk to you about that stuff. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to you, connect with your uh, your listeners and stuff. Yeah, I, um, we, I, I remember when I first met you and we were talking about your, I think it was a CSS conference that you, mm-hmm. were, you had held. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool and pretty interesting that even though you had a conference and you know how like in other industry stuff that's like similar could be considered competition and and you were just there hanging out at that conference meeting everybody and and it was a lot of love i really appreciated that i think that's that's a a testament to good people draw other good people in i think you're right so i I really appreciated that and carl has that knack he has a knack to surround himself with good people (laughs) yeah he does yeah so you can't go wrong there well, man, you uh, tell us a little bit about your company, first of all. Tell me a little bit about what uh, what you do. I know you work with your wife, Sherry. We haven't mentioned her. She was going to be on, but she's not feeling well. But tell me a little bit about that setup. Okay, yeah. So Sherry and I, um, I run the technical side, and Sherry run, runs the creative side. Mm-hmm. And then she manages creative strategy and all that good stuff. Um, our tagline is basically digital storytelling for badass brands. Right. Um, so... Whatever we do, it, we put our spin on it. Um, so everything from making more dull brands, bring, giving them some cool factor, help them connect better with uh, youthful audiences. We do a lot with uh, lifestyle branding and life, you know, lifestyle brands. Um, and then more recently, we've been moving into working with more sex positive brands, uh, brands in that entire space. So anything from sexual wellness and pleasure to adult products and toys, um, everything kind of in that area, we're looking to do more work in that space. So the way we kind of approach it is we kind of bring a little bit of sensuality um, and very upscale vibe, kind of like think how a lot of really premium luxury uh, lifestyle brands incorporate sensuality into that luxe experience. We kind of do this. That's how we approach whatever we do. Um, so our stuff has a really uh, unique spin on it. 
you can't miss it. You can't miss it, whatever it is that we do. And I enjoy it. We've been doing it uh, since about 2000. Sherry and I started working together. Um, but I guess that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. I should have been a little bit more prepared in that, my bad. No, no, no you're fine. You're fine. So, the, and the reason, you know, it, it's, uh, it's flashy, it's fancy to talk about that type of industry. But the reason that I found it interesting in the first place was that, uh, oddly enough, that is an industry that's neglected. Like a lot of places won't work with those clients. And um, can you speak to that a little bit about like how you got involved in the first place? <clears throat> because I mean, you know, people overcharge the, this type of client. They, you know, or they're embarrassed to work with this type of client, or they won't. So that's really why you're here. Because it takes a certain. Um, we on this show we talk a lot about fixed versus growth mindset, right? In in that closed mindset versus uh, the open mindset. And um, that it, it just really speaks to me that you're working with them. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and you even knowing that is a big step in the right direction. Um, one of our clients, uh, Sydney Gallup, she's talked a lot about um, a lot of the roadblocks and challenges that anyone labeled sex yeah. industry has to encounter so um a sex educator if you're mm -hmm. teaching sexual health and right. nothing to do with the pleasure side but just straight up sexual health talking right. about you know genitalia and sexual health all right. that stuff in a very academic or medical yeah, way like in a high school format exactly you can face a lot of roadblocks just because you're also under the umbrella of sexuality and sex mm. um so and then never mind if you go down the pleasure side or the entertainment side or right. what have you, they face happen. it as well. So they're overcharged. So first and foremost, um, there's some great, great resources that talk about it. So there's a great article in Fast Company that talked a lot about it. Um, I believe there's an article in HuffPost. I've been sharing them recently on my okay. Twitter. Uh, but one of the things that, that they shared and that Cindy was talking about is a lot of financial uh, services will not service them. So like so they can't even get loans. You can't you forget about a loan. You can't even get the ability to open a bank account. What? So okay. we had a client one time who was doing adult toys, sex right. toys. Sure. Um, she had a hell of a time just opening a bank account for the business. <laughs> right. Um, right. and then so if you can open it, so if you're fortunate enough to be able to where they let you open a bank account, you've got to be careful about will they close your account in the future. There was, I was reading. Right, and you have thousands of dollars in there and then just close your damn account. Yeah, and then literally just like just like that. I was reading an example of a gentleman who had a company, and that's what happened with him. The, the really wild thing with him was he was going to refinance his mortgage on his home, but because he was in, involved in the vertical of adult entertainment in his day job, the bank, when they, when they, somebody had recognized his name or something like that, when huh. he went to refinance his mortgage, the bank said, we're not going to let you, we're not going to do a mortgage with you. Now he already had a mortgage with them. He just was refinancing it to do a lower oh rate. God. So they, they basically, he, they dropped him on that. They closed his bank account and then he was like left high and dry. Whoa. And that was his personal, like, you know, his home mortgage. Right. So it's like there's a lot of things where because of the taboo nature of it and all of that, a lot of people who are working in the space have a lot of challenges. Um, so what I was saying was like um, if you want to accept credit cards, there's very few companies that will work with you to allow you to accept transactions. So if you're selling on an e-commerce store and you're selling physical products, 
you can't necessarily use Stripe or PayPal or Authorize.net um, because a lot of them, if you read the terms and conditions, you'll say right out, they list it under obscenity, which hmm. is really ridiculous because it's yeah. not obscene. You know what I mean? Like right. most human beings do it. It's a human yeah. function. It's part of for millennia. Right. right. Um, but it's listed as one. It's listed as a high risk endeavor in a, under obscenity. So you, if you're going to do anything in this space, make sure whatever vendor you're using, read the terms and conditions to make sure it's it's allowable. Um Right. Because that's, that's one of the biggest challenges they face is that. So okay. one of the things we've been doing is kind of using our own network to let folks know about companies that don't have a problem working in the space and understand it's not necessarily any higher risk than any other business. Um, yeah, certainly. It's probably less risk, honestly. Yeah, it's 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 I think the uh, the idea of it being high risk, I don't I think is unfairly applied to the space. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. For the longest time, people working in the hair industry, if you were selling weaves and all that, that was considered really high risk and you couldn't use PayPal and you couldn't use certain That's services, true. which made no sense because, yeah, I mean, like there's a million hair stores that sell weaves and all of that. Right. I, I'm not sure if they're still labeled that way. It's been a while since I've worked with a client who was in that vertical, but it's similar. I think that as we need to normalize the entire conversation about this culturally, like you know, as a nation and then even beyond the U.S., we need to normalize. And I think as we normalize it and we can have grown up adult conversations about it, right. I think it'll lower a lot of the barriers and kind of remove a lot of the taboo aspect about it. Right. Right. Well, I imagine. And another thing we talk on the show a lot about is uh, being flexible, like, you know, as part of the growth mindset is is being flexible in how you deal with people and approach people what what's the mindset of a lot of your clients like when they come to you are they just like the end of their rope frustrated um or are they are they generally speaking like they're they're they understand where they are and they've just got to figure things out i think that's, oh that's a good question so i think they all have a, a level of frustration and we don't have a lot of clients in the space yet just you know being up front because you know we're switching into this more so sure you have one that's enough yeah. <laughs> so so I think there's a level of frustration, even with a new business. Like I said, several years back, we did the business for sex toys and there's a level of frustration, but they also have a lot of enthusiasm because I think the indie companies that are getting into this is most of our stuff is like independent people who are looking to do things very differently. I think that despite the challenges, they want to do it so badly because they want to make a positive mark in the space they want to do things differently i you know, like go back like 20 years and the idea of going to a sex toy shop they in my mind it was that seedy back alley right kind of vibe that like you didn't want to go in there you didn't want nobody so a lot of these indie ones they want to they're looking to change all of that right they want something that feels like you can go in there with your partner or you can go in there by yourself and it feels just like a really nice little like if you went to a clothing boutique or you right. went to Right. I don't know, like a Starbucks. It just feels like a really nice, welcoming experience. It's like everything's above board. It's it's, yeah. you know, because there's nothing wrong with being sensuous and all that. But you want to give yeah. people an elevated, very classy type of experience. And, and a lot of the indie companies, I get that vibe. They want to change perceptions and how things were done in the past and how people even if things weren't done in a way that was negative, they want to change the perception. 
And and I, one of the things that we put a big focus on is pe people doing things ethically. So um, from ethical materials, like materials that won't make you sick. So like focusing on materials that don't have high petroleum content because it's not good for the human body because it wow. can be a carcinogen. So like any products they sell, they're making sure that any of the materials in there that they're all safe so that when gotcha. you use them as a, as a consumer, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not really unwittingly good. exposing yourself to right. carcinogens because you know, your, your skin tissue and all that in those areas is really sensitive. Right. Um, oops, one second. My screensaver just kicked in. Sorry about that. You're still there. Um, so like, so ethically, as far as, you know, the products that they use ethically, as far as the prices they pay their employees or their partners, making sure they're gotcha. paying them. And then ethically, as far as all the people who are there, um contractors or employees or what have you have choice they always have the freedom to say no to things and they're not elevating things that are unethical or negative and 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 i saying that as like a broad thing because right. ethical trying to cover like from products to services to entertainment yeah but overall that that would be what i see in a lot of the indie stuff i i, I just went way left field That's but okay. but I want to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, I think, are excited. They know yeah. the challenges. And if they've been in a long time, I think one of the things is, like, we um, were speaking with a company. They've been doing this for, like, 25, maybe 30 years, like a long time. Right. And one of the things that they shared was, well, they're very cautious about who they talk to or work with because they've dealt with the whole gotcha thing where they were given press by different newspapers or what have you. But those newspapers misrepresented the story, and they mm -hmm. took things that the the, uh, the founders said out of context and all that. So one of the things that some folks who've been in it for a long time, while they're very energized because they know what they're doing is really positive, they're also very, very cautious because they understand they've been around the block a bunch of times. They understand they want to be careful that nothing is taken out of context and do any further damage to the vertical and create any misconceptions. Right. So that's one of the things that, that we had experienced that um, I think I, I would assume is more common than I had realized going into it. Hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. No, or you're not. spot um, on, man. And I'm building to something. Um, it takes a certain mindset to even approach working with a new industry, right? To, to pivot in the first place and then to work with an industry that's, you know, it's an uphill battle for you, man. I mean, yes. you're, doing, you're doing this design work, creative work on behalf of your clients, but it's an uphill battle, and I get it for everything you just said. And you told me a story when we were in New Orleans about how you fought, and you probably still do, uh, an uphill battle just being who you are, you're African-American, and that you told me some stories about how you would even pretend to sound different. You would write different. <laughs> yeah. You design your website to look – I don't understand different, but um, – can you explain some of that? Yeah. Oh, um, wow. That's you made that connection and I hadn't even thought about it that way. Yeah, I guess we in that way, I can have a lot in common with our clients as far as when we first started. Yeah, um, I see it. I see some, it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate I it. it. I'm glad you do. Some of the mentors we had gotten from the small business. So the small business administration, as if you're in business, you know, any of your listeners, it's an organization to help businesses, small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, they have offshoot satellites called small business development centers. Those are usually located at like college campuses and business schools and that kind of stuff. Okay. So 
if you go to a small business development center, you can get a mentor or you can just get educational information. And you, there's a lot of free learning resources or really like financially accessible learning resources right. you can get through that. So when we first started our business, that's the place we turned because this is old school. This is before yeah. getting, you know, LinkedIn didn't exist. Lynda.com, right. I don't know that that even exists. I did. When Social I media didn't business. exist. 15 years ago, I got an SBA loan. I mean, I, yes. I did it. Yeah. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So when we got a lot of the information, one of the things we kept seeing over and over again was um, they wanted me to, like, they kept using bankers as that was the model I should look like. So That's the model I should be a look. black person. Yes. So, <laughs> like, like, change how you dress, change how you talk. Change, huh. You know, like, they they – they were very clear on respectability politics. And, and so that that was what kind of like how we tried to go into it. We tried very hard to do all of that, that all of that stuff. Now also the on the other side of the equation, I came from a uber hyper religious background, which also played into that because they were the exact same thing. And I was trying to be a minister and I was like uber invested in that. So so both of those things together were kind of like <laughs> Creative, the you you can kind of assume. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so when we started and we did our first website, we didn't put pictures of ourselves on the site. We were, okay. we were worried. Okay, if they know it's a black person running it, they're gonna they might think that the quality isn't as good, or they might think that we're not gonna be professional. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so we've always put so much effort on you know uber professionalism and all that kind of stuff almost overcompensating for everything that we were concerned about. So, you know, I hid my name because I'm like, oh, people are either going to think I'm black or Latin. So, you know, I hid my name. We right. hid our faces. We didn't want, then we're like, oh, but we're an interracial couple and we're married. Let's figure out how we're going to compensate for that. Um, so it was yeah, a lot of challenges. That had to be a huge hurdle. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was. We, I remember showing up. Um, uh, so I used to also do blue collar work during the day. I had a day job. So the guy I used to work with, I was a contractor. So the guy I used to work with who contracted me out all the time, he was always trying to help us get work. Um, but most of the work was with other people in the industry. So, you know, construction companies, what have sure. you, those were the type of, because those were the people he knew professionally. Yeah. So I remember one guy that he sent me to. And the moment that guy saw me, he, it was like, a, I should have just turned around and walked back home. Oh. It was the worst experience. I just knew going into yeah. it. I didn't, he didn't try to hide it. And the only reason he, I think it even went on was because he had a professional relationship with right. the person who had sent friend. me there. So he was being, I think, um, concerned about burning bridges with that person. Right. He wasn't worried about me. He let me know that. Um, but I think that kind of goes to the idea of, if you're constantly trying to put on a front because you're worried about perception, you're going to, you're going to run into a situation like I did with that guy. If I had just been, if I had ha had just been us a hundred percent, that guy would have never even agreed to it. And it would have saved me the indignity and it would have saved the time. So right. that's one of the reasons why we've gone so hard in the direction we're in now, because not everybody's going to, we're not for everybody, but the cool thing is we have less, unproductive conversations than we used to when we were so afraid to present ourselves because we right. were always so concerned about we're going to lose. And the reality is, yes, we were going to lose opportunity. But the people who, who would look at us and say, I'm not going to hire a black person or an interracial couple, they're going to find that out at some point. Yeah, you know, I would rather yeah. them self-select and just never call us.
Right. Um, right. So, so that's, that's kind of what it is. It's kind of like that reality of it's going to happen anyway. Like, like, uh, I don't know who's quoted this, but get to the no as quick as you can. Yep. Being very visible and, and straight up about it on our site gets us to the no. And I don't even have to get the phone call and worry about that. Right. I don't ever have to even feel those calls anymore. So if someone calls us and they come through our website or they come through some other thing that we've done online, they already know what we're all about. I'm not, I don't have to say, Oh wait, do I have to like put on my white voice? Do I, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to, to do that kind of stuff because they know who I am and that is freeing and liberating and it give me back my dignity in a big way. Cause that was one of the hardest things. I want to come back to what you just said, put on your yes. white voice yes. first. Yes. Um, because that's the one that floored me when we were talking. Um, but first, uh, you said that, you said, you know, it's just like destiny, it's inevitable if they're not going to want to work. I think of it, dude, and, and the first time I you told me about this, I thought, damn, that guy's got a lot of courage. And, and I talk a lot about courage. And, and I'll tell you, I define courage as doing the right thing, even though you know other people will either judge you for it or it might harm you, Right. And that's got to be kind of scary to make that jump from, you know, worrying, like you're building your business, worrying about, man, I got to get these clients. Called it code switching. Yes. That yes. blew my mind. And, and I want you to talk about your white voice. But then also it goes both ways. And I think I'm guilty of this. And you kind of, you hurt my feelings when you told me about this. But uh, I want to dig into that before our time is up. So what do you mean by your white voice? So... Your your white if you I'm trying to think of a good way a good example. So as a black person, when you're little, you learn to put on your white voice. That's the voice you put on when the person on the phone can't see you, especially, um, so that you try to get good service or at least decent service. So anytime um, someone call in, like the electric company or the phone company, um, and then and then when you're when you're like, so when I was in school, take the bass out of your voice. I remember for the longest time, I took the bass out of my voice. And then when I started like talking more like myself, people were like, yeah, such a deep voice. Like, are you, I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, this is my normal voice. I'm just not comfortable, no, comfortable enough around you where you ever hear my normal voice. And then I, and the problem That's is, nuts. yeah, it's, there's a lot of things. There's a really good book. Uh, I gotta, what I'm sure is there's more, there's just voice, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the voices. I think what it is is to like, like they say, language is culture. Um, so, yeah. like, if you're Spanish, language is a like food is also a huge part of culture. Language, mm -hmm. food. So, like, when you are code switching constantly, as Black people, it's a big part of like our existence here. But a lot of we incorrectly, a, a lot of us were raised that that was the way to do things. But the reality is it's not. It doesn't really get us ahead. And I understand right. why we did it, because the 80s and 90s and early 2Ks were very different than 2017 and yeah. 2020. Like, might as well be like, gener you know, it is multiple generations. It's, yeah. it's significantly different. And, and now we're at the point where it has been proven that stuff doesn't help us. It doesn't help white folks because they don't actually get to know who we really are as people like our genuine right. authentic selves as individuals. And it doesn't help us because we literally expend so much mental energy trying to police ourselves 
how we talk, like even things like, and then the indignity that goes into it. And we're like doing that to ourselves. So like that doesn't help anybody. Like y'all deserve to get us as who we actually are. We deserve to get to just be ourselves and just talk like however we talk. And as I started doing that, I started feeling, I noticed a difference in myself. I felt a lot better about myself. And I think that like, it's a process, like, and I don't want to make it seem like this stuff just like happened, like the flip of a switch and just, this is, this has been years of work. It's, you know, cause I'm 45 years old. So like, if you're doing this at 15 or 20 and you're working through this, your, your um, progress is going to be so much faster at 45. You know, I mean, I didn't start at 45, but, but you get what I'm saying. When you're significantly yeah. older in life, it takes a lot longer. It's yeah, like you the got whole 40 thing years of, of habit built in there, man. Exactly. And it fear takes a, and all kinds of stuff. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that fear because you yes. second guess yourself a lot. It's oh, a yeah. lot more to work through. So I had to do a lot of academic research and, and just learning a lot to make myself more comp- confident in actually right. doing this. So, right. you know, I, and I'm by no means an academic. I'm, I don't want to, but I tried to learn a lot. I tried to read a lot of literature on it, read books on it. And as I learned a lot more, it made it a lot easier to be confident and to realize, okay, I'm not irresponsible. I'm not being like, um, just like impulsive and going to blow up everything in my business and my life because of this, there's actual, you know, data and sociological information like behind this. There's, this is real. This is not just my being in my feelings. This is real. And, and I'm not right. saying being in your feelings isn't real, but for my own self, it took a lot to get me to that point. And then right. Sherry was a huge encouragement in that area as well. Cause she, you know, because you're, you know, you're a significant other, if y'all, you know, live together and all that, they see you a lot more than pretty much everybody else. Cause they're with you. It's, right. it's a tight relationship. So she could see, the impact of it you know she'd see me after a call was over or she'd see after we went to an event and i'm kicking myself i'm like uh i just want to be myself i just right. i don't want to have to do this i don't want to have to wear my hair like that i don't want to have to i want to just be me i want to bring me to the table and if people like me great if they don't like me i i'll, I'll deal with it and get over it right and so i finally got to that point and worked through that and it has been it takes a huge weight off and i understand that not every not every industry is that going to be i'm blessed to be in in the industry we're in it makes it a hell of a lot easier i mean i remember when when they started wearing hoodies in uh tech in general um before you know back before zuckerberg i don't know who was one of the original people but um like maybe the guy behind napster no i think bill gates used to wear a hoodie did i don't remember but anyway you know tech is ahead in a lot of ways as far as you know its uniform is very different than say if you're in finance or something like that right it's gonna be a lot more challenging for you um i still think it needs to be done um like i don't think that we should have to either have shave our hair all the way off or put relaxer in it to be okay i think we should be able to like, like the way I look at it, like, um, I, I used to love like, like bands like, uh, Blink 182, Green Day. I used to love the dudes who had the punk hair and the spikes and all that. Mm-hmm. I never, when I encountered, like, I had some friends who were like that. I always just really appreciated their individuality, blah, blah, blah. I never looked down on them for that. I never like saw anything negative about them. I'm like, I should be able to be the same person 
just my hair is just different. My texture right. is different. Do Nothing wrong. wrong with that. And I think right. that as more of us do this, I think it's going to change a lot of the implications behind it as well. Like, you know how it is when a lot of people do something, it forces culture to change. And the next thing you know, this oh, yeah. thing that used to be considered a negative or or taboo is no longer that. It's just, oh, that's just this. That's just right. that. Going back to the sex industry, I think the same thing will happen where it will no longer be this like vilified thing that is, you know, has this uh, very negative connotations attached to it societally. Um, I, 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 I <laughs> no, you're great. We have a we have a question here. I'm gonna put it up. Uh, and okay. I'll read it to you, I don't know. Can you tell me? Can you see that? Uh, and then you have to undo what yeah. you've already done. When people hear the real you for the first time, and you have to deal with the identity the identity ish all over again. Yeah. Oh, Sherry. Sherry <laughs> Yeah, yeah that seems like a good point, man. Because you you have let's say you've built up this business rapport, and then they meet you, <laughs> and what are you gonna do? You know. That's that a was a problem. That was one of the things that Sherry used to say to me all the time. Like just, and I used to worry about that all the time. And, and I used to be really, really worried about that. I think one of the things that really helped me tremendously was a couple of small things I had gone to, and these and people I didn't know showed up as themselves. And I remember just being so like captivated by them. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I want to be that. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Um, and it really changed. It really like left an indelible kind of like imprint on me. Um, mm -hmm. So so I like I want to be the same thing. I want to just bring me to the table and you know do good work and all that kind of stuff. Be a decent person to people, and then hopefully that'll be the thing that you know that'll be enough. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If it's not, then oh well. Exactly. You gotta move on. <laughs> There's enough business in the world. Um, exactly. And then, and then, you know, we were talking and um, that goes both ways, too. And I think I'm guilty of that where I will actually, what do you call it? Code shifting? Code switching. Code switching. I'm going to write that down because I don't want to get that wrong later. Because um, <laughs> first off, I like that term. It's not my term, though. That's actually yeah, a, I got you. already in the lexicon. Someone else coined that term, I think, in the 90s, maybe earlier than that. Sure. Um, That's I don't a remember who did. Yeah, but I, I think I'm guilty of that myself. Like when I when I speak to another uh, cultural, per, like another African American person or whatever, I tend to try to be like I think they are. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's also a giant. Um, that's bad. You know what I mean? When I should just be myself. Yes. Um, but but that's where the it's the fear, and it's not necessarily fear of like. You know, oh God, I'm going to speak some way, and these black dudes are going to beat me up. I mean, I mean, like fear, like I want to be liked. Yes, I'm, I'm scared of not being liked, so I'm. Gonna, we want to be accepted. Yeah, I'm going to alter who I am to uh, accommodate these what I think these other people want me to be like. And um, yeah, that's definitely fear. And uh, fear is fear is an element we always try to explore on this whole warrior mindset world um, because fear controls us when we don't even know it's controlling us. And I think that's a great example of one, man. And um, how, like, you, you may have, um, we talked about a lot of stuff, but was there a certain point in time when you sort of recognized that you were doing these things? Did, is there something, like, an acute situation that you can remember, ah, I need to stop doing that? Or was it, like, gradual? Um, that is a good, so... 
Yeah, it, it was the moments that, that stood out the most early on were not work moments. There were moments in the church. Okay. Moments when, like, I was such a devout, like, devout, devout um, person in the church that, like, it it governed everything in my life. And I was, like, super fanatical to the nth degree. Hmm. So when I would get um, – it, it's people look at me now, they're like, what? And, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> we all evolve and we all grow. Right. <laughs> But yeah, but um, and I was I was born into it, which makes it very different. When you're born into it, and it's all you know. Then it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I remember getting, I would get the the ministers in the church would bring me into their back room, and they would give me all this repre- reproof and counsel because um, you know you you're wearing a short sleeve shirt. Um, like like a short sleeve button down <laughs> shirt in the summer, like right. the most absurd stuff, and and it yeah. kind of hit me like, do they not realize how much God is in my heart? How much I sacrifice for God? How much like I literally take everything that they say as a literal thing, and I do it to the best of my ability? Like, do they not realize like? And then when I realized how much like I was conforming my life. For them, and it wasn't even being fully appreciated. Those were some of those, like Oprah says, those aha moments that started like getting locked into my brain. Um, so yeah. those were some of the early times. I think uh, hmm. some of the. I think one of the other. Oh, I'm trying to think. That is a good question. There well, were other times, like in my career. Uh, oh, so so here's another one. Like you you were saying talking. And being comfortable around, you know, people who are different culturally. We did some work for for um, a not for profit, like a, a social justice organization, uh, back in like Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, they did a lot. They used music to help uh, people who are in disadvantaged uh, backgrounds. So it didn't matter what their ethnic group was. They just had to be interested in the music and then using the music to apply to help them through life. Okay. So their focus was gospel music and then hip hop. Um, and, and it's interesting, like dichotomy right there. Um, yeah. But so one of the things like when I we first we worked with them for like 10 years, like we did a lot of their stuff. Um, but early on, when we first had a relationship with them. It was all virtual. So it was all over the phone or what have you. This is going back like in the early 2000s. And I remember when we finally first met the director of the organization and he was just, he kind of was taken aback when he saw me. He's like, he's like, man, I would have sworn to God you would have had braids and a long goatee. <laughs> and just, he, I'm like, is that a good thing or a bad hey, thing? What's he's up? like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, you just, he goes, I've talked to you a bunch of times now, but he's like, you just don't look like what I expect you to look like from having gotten to know you and Sherry all this time over the phone and the emails and all that. And that really struck me because it wasn't that if I'd had those things, it would have been a bad thing. It was just that who he knew me to be, I was hiding a lot of it because this was still very early on in the business for us. And I was hiding a lot of that in my physical presentation because I was still at that time really concerned. And and I he was someone I had a lot of respect for because his nonprofit was sponsored by people like you know, MetLife and Bank of America and like all these big corporate sponsors, they were sponsoring this, this nonprofit he was doing. And then, you know, they would have these like annual events that had hundreds of people. They would rent out like, uh, 
there's a park in Rhode Island in Providence. It's it's the same person who designed Central Park designed this park. It's got the zoo and all that stuff. So they would have this yearly event and there would be like thousands of people there. They would and, and like he just everybody knew him. He had a radio show on a local indie college station, WBRU. He like everyone knew him. He was like a pillar of the community, yeah. extremely well respected by the corporate folks and the people in the actual neighborhood. So the fact that like when he said that, it really like really yeah. registered for me. Like he wouldn't have looked at it like a negative thing. Like, right. he, you know, he, he does a lot of work with people in suits, but he also does a lot of work with people in rap and hip hop and gospel. Right. And the gospel folks were super uber religious people. Right. And like, so this man saying that had a, it had a big impact on me. I'm like, I, it, I never forgot that. It, it made yeah. a lot of it. I was like, wow, like he really, so I think that's one of the early ones. There's a that's lot cool. of them. I'm, I'm just, sure it's gradual. Yeah. Just curious. There was some like, you know, really super positive. That seems like a really positive. Oh yeah. Thing. Yeah. That wasn't negative. That was really right. positive. That was almost like a, that's a win. freeing moment. It gave me yeah. per, some per, additional permission that I right. needed. I right. really appreciated that. And that's one. important. Yeah. That's yeah. Important. It's really important. Yeah, and I think the, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean no, to you cut go. you off. You go, I was going to say, I think the other thing was visibility. So, I, so at one point, like seeing people on TV, this, I'm saying TV because I'm going back like historically in our business right. to before yeah. all the like everything's online like video. So I, so before when you got your news and you got like information, it was on regular TV. Right. And I remember in a um, on a local TV channel, they used to have a thing like City Beat. Most of the, the TV networks had a City Beat, and it would yeah. be all the urban news. And I remember seeing. A guy that now we're actually friends, but at the time he was just someone who was on TV and he was a, a marketer and he was doing all this stuff for the Latin businesses in Boston and he was doing stuff for the black businesses in Boston and just watching him being like amazed, like he's on TV, he's doing <laughs> yeah. this on TV and he's like, right. he's working with reggaeton people and these re different restaurants and club owners and I'm like, so I... I think like visibility was another big thing mm -hmm. um, and it didn't really matter. I mean, that was really dope that he was in our industry, but I've gotten the same thing from people in other industries, whether it's, you know, somebody who's a doctor or somebody who's in construction. I, I think one of the guys he used to work with in construction had a big impact on me. Um, he owned a construction company, had a bunch of guys who worked for him, but he'd still drive up to the job site every day in his like lowered Ford F-150 <laughs> with a ginormous system and right. he'd kick rap and, and all of that. But he was, he was, everyone respected him. Like nobody played games with him. Like you right. did your job and all that, but he was still one of the guys from the neighborhood. And that had a big impact. I'm like, I want to be like him. I want to yeah. be like great at your job and people are hiring you, but he doesn't tone it down. He's himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to like abandon or turn his back on his culture or his music or anything like that so there's a right. few guys i've worked with on the blue collar side who definitely brought that to to the forefront for me um awesome. and and again that was back in the like late 90s early 2ks right. that that was right well i mean it you know this is america we'd like to think that if we we are professionals and do a good job it doesn't really matter what we look like or sound like or smell like you know what i mean like if, yeah. if i'm a professional and i'm kicking ass for you that should be enough you know and i i feel like we're getting close you know i think maybe not i don't know i've 
sitting on the outside. But but a lot of the the code the code. Sh- uh, See, my my short term memory is not where it would be. Code switching. Um, I I recognize a lot of that is uh, sort of a privilege that I have that I don't have to do that. Um, and and when you were when you were saying that, you know, I started thinking about myself and how I do do that the other way. And I realized, um, wow, you know, what a what a privilege that is is to not have to really worry about not being authentically me, right? Authenticity. <laughs> authenticity for me is easy you know because i just got to get up and look at people you know what i mean but i can only imagine that side of it and um man you know we we talk about the warrior spirit here and you've got to have that man and that's why i'm talking to you because you know the the toll of that's just got to beat you down yeah it is it it is exhausting and the more you are able to um take it off of yourself and what do you call it shed it yeah. The more you get some of that energy back, and it, oh, it yeah. is an amazing feeling. And at, after a certain point, I'm telling you, you're going to feel, you know, 100 pounds lighter. It's going to make you, you're going to start noticing it. And then you just start making progress yeah. faster. It's amazing. Right. Well, excuse my code switching, but real recognize real, right? <laughs> yes, for real. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, um, well, dude, I, I, Sherry, it looks like Sherry put in one more thing, and I want to read this. I think this is a great way to end this show with you. Um, authenticity is the collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. I love that quote. That is a badass quote. That is really cool. And, and Brene Brown is like, uh, she, it's so funny that because as soon as I see that, I think of the Br- Brene Brown uh, speech she did at a a small conference, and she talked a lot about this. So that that's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a great one, man. Um, thank, thank you, Sherry. You, thank you, Sherry. I wish you could be here with us both. I uh, hope you get better. Um, all right, man. Well, that's our 45 minutes. I appreciate your time and the insight and the look into your life. Um into the life of a true warrior. I would say you're a true warrior, man. And, and I oh, hope you, I wish, you. wish you success. And if there's ever anything I can do to help you um, in any way with anything, please reach out because oh, I will do the same. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Okay. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for your time today. And uh, check us out next time, gang. And see you later. Thank you. See you all later. It was nice to uh, connect with you. I really appreciate it.